Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week we are talking about Disney slash Lucasfilm and their current and future plans for Star Wars TV shows and movies. Yeah! They uh, There was a uh, Vanity Fair article that came out, um, I, I guess, like, just the reason why is just uh, ahead of the, the Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, but, I think uh, I think this, is, this feels like it's all part of that, like, kind of press tour that they yeah. do before the big, big movies or whatever, where, like, they basically come out and they go, hey, here's the... Here's what's going on, and also we have these other things going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and I'll, I'll just to tease it, like it's uh, it's simultaneously like it's kind of like uh, it lays out the um, future of well, okay, this is what we're doing with shows and why this is what we're doing with movies and why, and I just kind of want to talk through it because it's really interesting. Some of the reasons, some of it, some of it, um, uh, I like it's it's almost. Um, cathartic to hear like Kathleen Kennedy admit some things that we yeah. all kind of felt, you Definitely. know, and like, and then simultaneously like, there are some things in there where like they say that I'm like, man, like I, I like, yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed in, in like, yes. in, in this being the takeaway, like, and that sort of thing. So maybe, yeah, well, yeah, well, let's talk about those. I, I, uh, like there's, there's so much in there that I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> this is super interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's and that, that's the thing. It's a really, really well written um, piece, and that goes like through and really kind of other than a couple of like pretty pretty jarring jumps, like whenever it starts talking about like switching to uh, one of the properties like midway through, I think like Ahsoka series or whatever. Like whenever it starts to switches to that, it's like ooh, that's a that's a hard break. But pretty much everything else like flows like from one section to the other, pretty seamlessly handing off between like technology and direction and like what happened in the past versus what's happening now how did we get here you know that type of thing like it's a very well written article that kind of encompasses everything um save for a couple of like bullet points that felt a little like just kind of out of place or whatever like where it's like ah this could have been like a separate breakout article and i would have been fine but uh yeah but yeah like it's a it's a really well written well written piece yeah um but we'll talk about that a little bit later first john what have you been up to this week oh man so i have been up to a couple of things so i I, finally chris uh about a week or so ago maybe two weeks ago the lord of the rings 4k ultra hd versions went on sale uh digitally and so i picked them up digitally and it was like ridiculously they they were on like they were you mean the on sale they were cheap yeah they were so cheap um i think for the the trilogy right so for the the extended versions with all the special features um and things like that it was i think like 20 bucks (laughs) what it was an absurd price and i did it like I think it was Movies Anywhere. It was somewhere. I think it might have been on, actually on Microsoft was actually where I, I purchased it through. Um, but, and, uh, but the, dude, these versions. So just to go back in case anyone was curious, these versions are the best versions of the movie that exist out there. The Blu-ray versions. So the previous versions, the non, so like we, we had like the DVD versions back in the day, right? Those, mm-hmm. you know, as good as you could get at the time. 
the Blu-ray version, the remaster that they did, they did that right around whenever they were putting out The Hobbit. And so, like, Peter Jackson didn't, like, wasn't, like, super involved or whatever. And for some reason, they look green. Um, the Blu-ray, like, disc, the 1080p Blu-rays look not good. And so whenever they were updating the 4K versions... Uh, uh, Peter Jackson came in. He was like, "Hey, you know, let me let's remaster this like as is." It's so, like they literally like did it all again and like made sure that all the colors were the way that you remember them from the theater. They made sure that everything was as pristine as you can get it. And uh, that th- I can confirm, they are glorious, Chris. That's all. Did you uh, get the uh, extended edition or just the normal regular standard? Totally. Like, is there any other version than the extended version? You know, uh, yes, there's the regular standard version. <laughs> Why would you go with that version though? It's so, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I want both. Like I have, I have, uh, so I've caught them on sale and they have been the, I've never seen the, the reason I ask, I've never seen the extended editions on sale. So I have oh. the, the regular versions all like, and, and I bought them on movies anywhere. So like Interesting. on, uh, on, uh, iTunes, so like I have like the 4k, you know, versions of those. But like mm. I've never seen the extended editions on sale. Ooh, next time I see it, I'll uh, I'll I'll give you a shout because I think they were all bundled together as like one package in the store. Oh, and like you got standard and no, as in like they were all. It was the trilogy. It was just it, rather than the individual movies being on sale, the individual oh, movies weren't on sale. Interesting. It was as a bundle. You had to buy all three at the same time. And though that that product was on sale, but basically as soon as I bought it, it downloaded as th- like it basically listed itself as three different movies. So interesting. It was uh because I, I was I I have that in my um my wish list or whatever. I had that in my wish list, and then whenever it went on sale, I was like, oh, I got notified, and I was like, this is happening right now. So, um, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep my my ear to the ground and yeah uh, yeah. yeah. And let you know whenever they go on sale again. Um, but dude, they're glorious. Like they look so good um, in 4K, and the like I said, the color is all correct now. Because like I, like I don't know if you know, like because on I, on Netflix and on all the places that that the Lord of the Rings was on streaming wise before the 4K version, this for 4K version, I would always like start playing it and I'd be like, this doesn't look how I remember it. Everything would look like everything looked like it had like some sort of like a like like a filter over it somehow. Mm. Um, and, but that's exactly what it was. Like, you know, the, they just had gotten the colors wrong. <laughs> Whatever they remastered it for that version. So I'm so happy to have like a good non-standard def version, like a, a 4k version, ultra HD Dolby vision version of the Lord of the Rings trilogy extended editions. I still feel like that when I watched the new like 4k, uh, versions of Seinfeld. I've kind of gotten used to them, mm. but like just the way that they recolored them is not accurate to the way that uh, they were on DVD, on the TBS, like yeah, I was about to say, HD or in versions. syndication, because the, the yeah. DVDs all looked like they looked in syndication. Yep. And so it's it's still like a bit jarring to see that and then all the film grain, but I'm, I'm starting to get used to it. Um, it's just... Uh, what's wrong with... Was, like what's... You say the film grain, do they remove, digitally remove some stuff? Um, so, and actually it's not even film. it's, it's, it's like noise reduction. Like it's, and you know, by yeah. what they do, what they do, it's like sometimes for noise reduction, what they do is it actually introduces grain. And, um, so instead of it, you seeing digital like noise, you'll, mm. you see basically like fake film grain. 
And so whenever you watch it on a 4K television, the Seinfeld stuff is like super grainy. Like that's the way it comes across. Interesting. Um, whereas before it felt real clean and 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 not that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Different like different uh, versions of things being you know like colored differently or processed differently is kind of jarring, especially when it's something that you like know and love and like you've seen for you know the past you know 30 years of your life yeah and i guess like that's the thing because i would always start watching the lord of the rings and i would be like this just doesn't look right it doesn't seem right everything seems like too green like too like it's like it had this like weird you can look at the comparisons or whatever but it has just, just like a strange green kind of look to it and but i never like actually looked it up to confirm um, until the 4k version came out. I was like, okay, how good is this version? Like, is it actual 4k or is this just one of those like up you know, type of a situations like they do, um, with a lot of the like early Marvel movies. Um, and I, I like, as it broke down, it was like, yeah, okay, this is, this is the definitive version. Cause Peter Jackson, like went back to the originals and like made sure it matched and stuff with what the theatrical releases were. And, uh, and yeah, like all this care being taken to, to make sure it was right. And the, that care was not taken on the previous version. <laughs> and it's like, man, how can you like, how can you like go back in and remaster one of these things and then just completely disregard like what it looked like originally? You know, that's just, it seems yeah. strange to me. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, but that's, that's mainly what I've been up to this week. I've been playing some, uh, some apex, uh, some of the new season, that sort of thing. But, uh, that's pretty much what I've been up to, uh, up to this week. Um, I did want to give a shout out to the, the Nintendo 3ds eShop. Uh, disallows you to use your um, credit card on it uh, as of the 23rd, but you can still add um, gift cards to it after that point. So uh, so it's not like this is not the end, this is not the closing down of the 3DS eShop, but it is uh, less convenient to use as of the 23rd. That's crazy. <laughs> it's wild, man. I uh, There's still quite a few games that I just need to, need to pick up. <laughs> Hoping they go on sale here, but uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, that's what I've been up to this week. What have you been up to this week, Chris? Um, yeah, so I talked about it a little last week, but um, the uh, the event right now in Call of Duty Warzone, the Godzilla and King Kong event called Monarch, Operation Monarch. I played that, finally got a win. Um the big caveat to that I have is like the we found the best way to win was just to literally ignore everything about that game mode and uh, <laughs> just play it like normal. And mm. um, we kind of like, uh, you know, uh, did our normal strat where we, you know, get the flags, drill down to the, the final circle, then go camp. If you survived enough, like you actually um, don't like – uh, yes, you, you need to like pick up and damage, like pick up some, some of the, I think it's called monarch intelligence or something like that. I can't Intel, mm -hmm. can't remember exactly, but as well as if you want to, you can try to damage the monsters and then you get your loadout. Like it was pretty easy. Like, you know, once we got our loadout it was like, okay, cool. And then, uh, everyone else is kind of, um, running around. I say easy. It took us a while. It took us like, um, it was probably, I think, last, when did this go live? This went live last Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or two Wednesdays ago. No, it was last Wednesday. 
last Wednesday. So there was only a day between whenever we, we were able to play it and when we talked about it on the podcast. Yep, 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 yep. Because I, I forgot. Because I had forgotten that it came out. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, okay. Well, I guess maybe it's not necessarily that. So it's, we probably did it on like Tuesday, and we didn't play every night though. So like it, right, it was, right. you know, relatively quick. We're kind of back to on this new map. It took us a long time. Like we're talking six months to get used to this new map. But like we're back to like. We generally win like every night or so, like every other night maybe, um, something like that. But uh, it took us, you know, a few days to win on that map. Uh, I think that's the the flaw in it, though. Like the only flaw in it is that whenever we basically follow the rules of what they want you to do in that game mode, uh, that was not a, a key to win. The best way to win mm. was just to play like normal. So I'm kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know. It's different than like some of the other limited time events with like either zombies or um, like I, I think my favorite still whenever the old map went away and you had to go cap this uh, yeah, and defend the, last the, the day, final, final, final hours of Verdansk or whatever it was yeah. called. Yeah. Like where it actually changed gameplay and changed the way that you won and the strat that you needed to use to win. Like I, I kind of, I like that. Yeah. And there was like a more randomized element where it wasn't just like, Hey, the circle's closing. It was the circle's closing in and you don't know which, you know, <laughs> like there's these bunkers and you have to like figure out if somebody's already in there and stuff. So yeah, like there's a, there was a lot of different strategies that you could employ with that one um, to try to win it and they could all potentially be successful. So Yeah. So anyway, um, I, it's still fun. You should still play it. Um, it's uh, it's definitely worth it. Uh, just to, I mean, being on the map with Godzilla stomping around and King Kong throwing stuff around is you know pretty cool and slightly terrifying sometimes. And like the 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 noises that they're making, like I think the audio is just like freaking insane. So uh, it's definitely worth it. Um, and I still enjoyed it. it. I just like think that's that's just a flaw in that game mode in the way that you have to just eh, just play normally and you'll win. Interesting. Interesting. I dig it. I dig it. Um, that's awesome. I mean, so, so I guess like my question is, are, are you like, are now that you've won on that mode, are you just like, yeah, I'm kind of done with the mode or are you like, Hey, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna keep going. I mean, like if you got on and wanted to, to win, like I definitely play it. It wasn't like where I dislike it, but like, if I'm going to play it like normal, I might as well just play on the normal game mode that doesn't have all the other crazy random stuff going on. Right, you know? right, right. That makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Because there is an aspect of it that's randomized that I kind of talked about last week where you don't know where King Kong's going to throw his big old rock and you don't know where Godzilla's going to lay down his like laser fire. And so... It, you know, some of it is randomized and that's the frustrating part. You know, it can, it can kind of like you are in good position and then they force you out. We actually won before we hit the final circle too. Like Interesting. Uh, we, were, we were just able to, um, we were able to kill everyone cause they were moving around and we, we, we weren't, and we kind of found the, uh, the best strat too though is like, uh, you know how like, kind of toward the end you want to stick together but kind of spread out as well mm -hmm. um toward the end of this mode it's like you actually want to spread way out and be like not necessarily together yeah um just so that like if uh if some of that random um i don't even know what to call it like random <laughs> actions just, enemy like, fire yeah like know. 
random <laughs> stuff happens that yeah. you know you are all in a position where you can each take out a person if needed. Yeah, I think they're called the Titan Fury. I think yeah. that's what it's called. Well, no, that's it's different. Is that something else? <laughs> yeah, Titan Furies. I forget. That's when you can damage them, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Titan Frenzy then. Frenzy, maybe. I don't know. That seems right. That seems that sounds that's if it's not right, we're just gonna go with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, Chris. Um, we're going to talk about Star Wars. But first, a pick of the week. Pick of the week. All right, John, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week this week is actually based on your pick of the week from no. last time. Well, I don't even remember what my pick of the week was. Your pick of the week was the music from a game called Citizen Sleeper. Oh, did you start playing it? I did, in fact, start playing it. Is it good? It's real good. I oh, like it's man. it's really unique. I will say that. Um, it wasn't what I expected. I expected like an action game, Chris. Um, but what Citizen Sleeper is, it like takes some really like, gameplay concepts, some really cool gameplay concepts from like tabletop RPGs with like dice and stuff, and then pairs it with like a really, really cool UI where you can kind of see everything that's going on. And it tells us like a, a really cool sci-fi story in a visual novel style. Um, so I would say it's basically just like a visual novel. Um, with like these tabletop RPG elements and some like some choice involved, um, and that's the type of game it is. It's it's uh it's real real interesting and and then like it really does make it feel like it's um it's a vibe like where you're like oh, I'm reading this really cool like sci-fi story, making choices along the way that like influence the characters and and uh, and and that sort of thing but also listening to this amazing soundtrack at the same time, um, sci-fi soundtrack. So I don't know. It's, it's a really unique game. I, uh, I very much enjoyed my, my time with it so far. I haven't finished it. Um, but it's, uh, but it's super fun. It's, it seems like it's, it's going to be a quick play. Like I looked it up and I was like, okay, how long is this game? Um, cause like a visual novel is like, okay, great. Like if it's, if it's short enough, I'll go in and, and rock it. Right. And so it's only like four hours long. And so, uh, I probably, you know, we'll play it one or two more times and be done with it. Um, be finished with the story. Um, so it's like, it's pretty quick play, which is nice. And, uh, and like, you kind of have this, this cool way of, you can approach things and you can, uh, you can like the way that you interact with different people, uh, enhances different skills and things. I don't know how much of a a difference the choices I'm making are actually going to make in the end. Like if it's more of like a linear kind of a story where it's like, okay, this was always going to happen this way. Or if it's a situation where, I, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, drastically changing the outcomes of this game. Um, I don't know that yet, but so far I'm enjoying myself. It reminds me a lot. Remember what was the phone game? There was that phone game where you were like the, on a, on a stranded on a, on a sci-fi planet and you're trying to like work your way off. Uh, it was a cell phone game. Yeah. Yeah. Remember this text adventure game? Yeah, text adventure. What was it called? Uh, let me see if I still have the icon on my phone. I think it's it's now outdated. But you're saying it was a uh, it was like on your iPhone. Yeah, Life Lifeline. Remember this game on the iPhone where you? Uh, I don't know. You were basically you know texting back and forth um, with the AI or whatever. Oh man. Anyway, it's uh, this is similar to that. Like where it feels like, hey, you are this robot 
so the setup of the story is basically you are one of the um what are they called in in Blade Runner the robots in Blade Runner um I'm so confused like Lifeline I like it, it vaguely rings a bell Lifeline I Lifeline. don't have it the cell phone game there's Lifeline there was Lifeline 2 Lifeline 2 put it in a you were like directing this uh this like you were texting back and forth with an astronaut trying to help them I vaguely remember that. That's kind of what it's like. It feels like that. Like where you're making these choices where you're like, I'm not sure how much this actually does. You know, <laughs> but Oh yes, I remember Lifeline. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot all about this. It's, it was a fantastic game. Was there an end to it? Yeah, there was an end to it. And there were like multiple endings to it. Like well, you could get. What was the end to it? Oh man. So one of them was that they like found this monolith and like the like they entered like the alien consciousness or blah like there's the, there was there was definitely like an alien end to the thing. <laughs> what is Lifeline Whiteout? Is that the sequel? Ooh, I don't know. I know that there was like a fantasy. Oh, there's Lifeline too. Oh yeah, Bloodline. Which there's, wasn't yeah, as oh, good. I, I didn't so like it. So many much. lifelines, dude. Are okay, there? hang on. Yeah, look, there's. Um, I searched for in the. It's all the same app developer too. Dude, I'm there's, down. I need to play another one. There's Lifeline, Lifeline Whiteout. Um, this one, it looks like alone in a frozen wasteland with no memory of how he got there. A lost adventurer's only hope is his last line of communication to you. Dude. So it's, he's like a he's a, like a in the frozen tundra. I'm down like an Arctic explorer. The first one was like a, an astronaut. Then there's Lifeline 2 that looks like it's uh, uh, Lifeline 2 connects you with Erica, a young woman on a deadly quest to avenge your parents. How are you talking with her? So that one's like a fantasy one. You're talking through like uh, magic. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Then there's Lifeline Silent Night. This one looks like it's... Sounds Christmassy. Deep immersive story. Of survival and pers- perseverance, and it's up to you to save the White Star before it's too late for its intrepid crew. So this is another space one. Ooh, I'm in. Uh, then there's Lifeline Halfway to Infinity. Um, Taylor's journey continues. Who is Taylor? I don't know. Um, Maybe from Lifeline, uh, like the, uh, the, the one you just talked about. <laughs> inside the spaceship Viridian, Taylor thought it was time for some hard-earned... Hmm interesting so there's a whole series chris yeah how do we tell which one do we go to next then there's dude then there's lifeline flatline it looks like like a zombie kind of one lifeline crisis line it's like a murder one dude i love it i love it i need to try some of these well i'm gonna be um getting on these uh lifelines what is going (laughs) on oh my gosh this one looks super crazy a dead lawyer, a mysterious green-eyed woman, stolen crystals with unexplained powers, and it's only your first day on the job. You're a help text volunteer, and the app has just paired you with Austin homicide detective Alex Esposito. <laughs> Dive headfirst into a dangerous investigation as you help Alex untangle the bizarre circumstances of a recent murder. Choose which clues and suspects to follow as you try to catch a killer who may not be of this world. But be careful. In this real-time mystery, your decisions could mean the difference between life and death for Alex. Holy crap. Dude, I'm down. I'm the down. next chapter in Lifeline's hugely popular green series. Okay, so there's like there's like a there's a green series. Oh, that's what the Halfway to Infinite, Flatline and Crisis Line are all part of the green series. Interesting. The others are part of the black series. Taylor, dude, Taylor is in the original Lifeline. 
Oh wait, so that's that, that's Taylor. So yep. So Silent Night. Uh, Taylor returns in Lifeline. Silent Night. Well, the ending that I got for that one doesn't feel like it would probably <laughs> make a sequel possible. And but did okay. I say Halfway to Infinite too. Uh, and then he continues in Lifeline, Halfway to Infinite. So the sequel to the first one is called Lifeline, Silent Night, and then the sequel to that is Lifeline Halfway to Infinite. Okay, okay. It looks like. Yep. Well, that's yep, wild. Well, yep, yep. this gives me vi- like those types of vibes as far as like the, the presentation where like the descriptions of uh, like as you read the text where you're like it's describing the different situations and the different um, characters and the different uh, environments and things like I, I have been enthralled by the writing um, of that like where it's like I can I can perfectly visualize in my head what this is and so it's really good on that side of things and then the choices that I make like I said I'm not sure it's quite as drastic where like I don't know if I I could like get an ending where like the you know the main character dies or like whatever but like you can definitely um like those choices that i'm making i don't know h- how drastic the the changes are um but so far loving uh loving this game um the plot is basically you are like a replicant from blade runner who's escaped and uh like your consciousness of another of somebody else who's been put into a uh a robot that is slowly decaying and so you have to find a way to like extend your life where you're not falling apart you have to find a way to make sure that you make enough money to like eat every day and then make sure like you you kind of have these other quest lines where it's like hey there's a doctor you run into right off the bat who like is like i can help you probably but it's gonna take a while and so like you have to like come back every you know you know every certain amount of time that has passed in game in game hours like you can go back to your your uh camp and sleep and then come back and see that doctor and be like hey what's the update and uh and eventually there will be like hey progress being made on some of those different storylines so um so far i'm really enjoying it it seems uh seems really cool I love the music and the vibe and uh, we'll continue to, to go down that, that path, especially because it's only like four hours long. So nice. That's awesome. (laughs) But citizen sleeper, man, it's a good one. What is your pick of the week this week, Chris, other than potentially just the lifeline series? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lifeline. Um, My pick of the week is actually uh, a music album. John, it is Avril Lavigne's latest album called love sucks. And uh, it is probably the best pop punk record in at least the last five years, um, if not uh, longer than that. It's really, really good. The uh, uh, she's on um, Machine Gun Kelly and Travis Barker's like record label. Travis Barker produced a lot of this, played uh, drums on most of the songs. Um, One of the main guitars for Goldfinger played guitars on most of it. Um, and, uh, this is the first time she's actually done like something that's like straight up, uh, pop punk hasn't really been like, uh, you know, like a pop album or something like that. Like yeah, even like, a, like early like on, like generation type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even the songs that like, genre, you know, that's what I mean. even the, even the albums that had like skater boy and complicated on them, like they were, they were like pop albums really like classified as that. Uh, but this is like straight up pop punk. It's great. It's hard hitting, super well mixed. Super well um, recorded. She does a song with Mark Hoppus from Blink One Eighty Two with Travis on drums. It basically like this is a I'm like this this is the Blink I want. <laughs> it is ba- like if I can't have Blink with Tom, uh, Blink with 
Avril Lavigne is a good alternative. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's a short endorsement, but it has my full, I cannot stop listening to it ever since it came out. Um, it's, uh, it is probably going to be my album of the, of the year, unless something nuts comes out. Um, but I mean, Chris, uh, it's, it's only May. I'm just, I'm just telling you, John, like, I don't even know when it, when did it, I don't, I think it came out this year. Let me look. Um, when did it come out? Uh, yeah, February. It came out in February. I mean, I just, I, I, I'm just listening. I just keep coming back to it, man. It's, it's so it. good. Are you listening? Like, do you have the vinyl? Like, does the vinyl exist as well? I know you're. you're oh you man, John, you're, you know, you're, yeah, you're scratching a, you know, a wound here. So, no. uh, because scratching of all wounds the, is even worse than salt. Yeah. Because of all the vinyl um, backlogs and delays, like like most albums, the albums I've been like listening to recently, they don't they're not coming out on vinyl. Or at least they're not releasing them yet. So like Avril, uh, I bought a cassette because that's all that was really available in mm-hmm. physical form. For um, uh, um, what was it? The other one? Uh, it was uh, the uh, latest album from Camille Cabello, and she doesn't have an, a vinyl for that. It's another cassette. Um, so I'm hoping that they put it on a vinyl at some point because I really want it. Uh, but I had to wait. Like, for example, um, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, uh, Silk Sonics record from last year. Such a good came one. Out, yep. Came out um, in the fall of last year. Originally, they, like, they didn't have a vinyl able like, for, that you could order as well. And then finally, an a album um, pre-order went up. Uh, last month, I think, and but uh, I so I pre-ordered it, but it's not even coming out until this October. So like a year after hmm. the album was released, that's when the vinyl's finally going to be able to be produced. So that's a bummer, but it'll happen eventually, though. You would, think. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, you would think. Well, Chris, my pick of the week is Citizen Sleeper with an asterisk by it and it's saying also Lifeline. <laughs> And your pick of the week is Afro Levine's. Yeah, love sucks. All right, John, it's time for our main segment. Um, so everyone should go read this article in Vanity Fair. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to read it here because it's like literally like takes like I was reading it on Apple News and it says it takes 40 minutes to read. Yeah, so it, it took about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 42 minutes, literally, it says. Uh, so I'm not, like, obviously going to read that on the podcast here. But um, you should definitely go read it. I think some of the interesting things, I just want to kind of call out high level, and we can kind of talk about them as we go. Um, they they kind of outline, like, basically, okay, the reasons why Disney has kind of doubled down on television right now uh, versus film. But And then at the at the end, you know, kind of like, gives an update on like, okay, this is where they're at with the films, but basically like outside of um, a couple movies that are probably at this point still years away, like mm-hmm. they're, they're really like focusing on, um, on television and it's not necessarily, it's not a bad thing. I, I like it, it. It honestly gave me a little more hope for like what they're doing, the way that they're approaching it now. Um, they cut toward the end of the article. They kind of talk about, uh, and and Kathleen Kennedy talks about one. They were popping out, you know, a, a Star Wars movie a year, and mm-hmm. uh, traditionally, you know, those 
movies had taken George, you know, he when he was actually producing the trilogies, it was every three years that a movie was coming out, and then there was ten years in between. Um, and so, like, it was more of a slow burn, and she references, you know, like, if you're going to do this, you know, like, it's not a quick, you show up for a year, do a movie, and then uh, move on. Um, it's, you need to commit to it. And so she talked a little bit about um, John Favreau and how he was able and immediately like willing and, and wanted to commit a large portion of, of time to the series and, and creating a, a television series, which, which I think is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she also talked about how Dave Filoni, uh, he, you know, obviously has been with Lucasfilm since 2005 and doing a lot of TV shows. And so like she paired them up together and uh, like that's, all, you know, obviously been super, um, a super good move. It kind of makes me like, I, I wonder how much um, say they both have in all of the series that are happening right now. Hmm. Um, yeah. I guess we'll kind of find out like when we, when the credits roll on, you know, some of these, um, yeah, because they, that was one of the interesting things I think about like the way that they framed um, some of the, the more, um, I guess the series is that are happening now. Like they, they kind of like presented John Favreau as like, Hey, John Favreau, the Mandalorian is his deal. And Ahsoka series, that's uh, Dave Filoni's deal. And then the Obi-Wan series, that's Deborah Chow's deal. And throughout all the interviews with, um, with Ewan McGregor, he's always talked about Deborah Chow being like the, the mastermind, I think is the way he phrases it a lot of times of their show. And it's interesting to have that kind of like, Hey, we have these people who are on board for these shows, but yeah, like how much, you know, how much of the ongoing kind of story does each person contribute to each other's kind of thing? Um, well, and that's all like, I, like it, I mean, at least the way that they presented it, it seems like, you know, um, well, even like Mandalorian, that, that was a, it was Favreau, but it was also a Dave Filoni. Like, I mean, he, right. he, they both worked on that together and kind of merged their visions together. And yeah. So, and like, I thought that was an interesting anecdote from, uh, Kathleen Kidd. Like the, the, the way they frame it in the article is again, is that like, she talked to John Favreau and was like, Hey, you want to do something here? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Here's the idea. But that stepped on the toes of something that um, Dave Filoni had always wanted to do with like the Mandalorians. And so Kathleen Kennedy knew that and was like, okay, this is, this is the problem. Let me <laughs> put them into a room together and see what they come up with. See if they can, like, yeah. if we can get these, because cause like, cause I can't, like, we can't step on, Filoni's thing with this new thing and we can't yeah. you know you know so then they like kind of came to these the Mandalorian season one you know that's the, that's yeah. how we ended up there yeah and and like um I think it was it's interesting you know like even talking about like what what uh the process for Ewan McGregor coming back and Hayden Christensen's mm-hmm. coming back and like um what that kind of looked like um it was basically like you know Ewan McGregor has been talking for years and, you know, would always answer the question in interviews, would you do Obi-Wan Kenobi again? And he would say yes. And so, like, finally, someone from Disney reached out and was like, are you really being, are you serious? Or are you just saying that, you know? Right, right. 
Yeah, and, and like, and that that part of the article, like, I'm kind of like emotional about it because it's like I remember all yeah. of those interviews where he would literally be like, you know, yeah. I'm about as old as Obi Wan would have been uh-huh. at the time, you know, and he would go more yeah. in depth than just like a, a hard like, yeah, I'll, I would do it if they asked. He would go way more in depth than that. He'd be like, ah, you know, there's these ideas that we have, you know, and then yeah. so whenever the person finally calls him, um, let me let me see if I can find the exact. Uh, exact quote that they say in here because i was just like i was like man that is the, that's a lot you know um but they were basically like hey you know was that true is that is it true that you would come back if we if we offered it to you yeah. you know we're, we've got a lot of ideas flying around here at lucasfilm is that true and he's like yeah it's true <laughs> well i think the interesting thing with that too is like and this was kind of like getting into why they switched to tv instead of continuing with movies uh that was originally going to be a movie. Right. And um, when they, uh, they kind of lost, I don't know if they didn't really, you know, it doesn't go into like the dirty details of like what exactly happened next, but like the, the director left to go work on the next Indiana Jones. And I think around the same time, probably like Disney was questioning their, um, or not Disney, but Lucasfilm, whoever Mm -hmm. uh, was questioning the, the path that they were on with their movies of trying to pop one out every single year. And then um, the launch of Disney plus, I think Mm -hmm. really accelerated a lot of this. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball, but it it honestly feels like in the way that they're framing it, that without Disney plus there would have probably been no star Wars TV shows. Correct. That's what, that's what it feels like. It very much feels like there was a, and the way that they, they put it out there. And this is part of the way that they like structure the article and the, the, the ideas is, is, which is super cool. It, It was a confluence of things. It was a confluence of like, Hey, Disney's getting into Disney plus TV. We want a TV thing, big budget thing, but we also need to be able to do it at a lower price than movies and have like less time. And so, like, oh, there's yeah, the, the, the technology, the technology yeah. aspect of it, the the volume, the you know, and and they also needed the talent, the people who would be willing to stick around, you know. So it's yeah. like they needed the people, they needed the the tech. push from the tech, yeah, and they needed the the basically the the method to get it out platform and so like all of those things kind of aligned at the same exact time it was fascinating to me they talked to one of the people who is like uh behind the volume like one of the technical people from which is uh, the volume is the big like the mandalorian they shoot on a big led screen it's like a it's like a whole room and like the the background moves with the camera and that type of thing you'd never tell any difference but like they're not actually in a desert they're inside a soundstage with LED screens all around. Yeah, and they've got, like, a lot of times they'll have, like, a patch of dirt <laughs> yeah. right in front of these screens, and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, so they talked to, the, like, that person, and that person was like, yeah, it was, it was like, barely kind of coming along until, you know, and we were like, okay, well, how far along are we? Can we actually do this? And then James Cameron of Avatar, like, so he was filming Avatar uh, in one of the the lots beside them and came over and was like, hey, show me this thing. Show me what you were shooting earlier, this test that you were shooting. And they showed him and he was like, this is impressive. And they were like, we knew at that point, like, hey, we might have beyond something here. Yeah, um, I don't think it, it wasn't barely, I don't think they said it was barely coming along. Basically, they just weren't sure of the te- technology yet. Yeah. Is it, if, if it was going to work or not. And yeah, it, and, or if it was going to like appeal or f- fool people or like make yeah. people like be like, hey, this is cool stuff. Yeah. And so like they had him and they were like, if anyone's going to notice any problems with it, it's going to be James Cameron. And uh, he was impressed by the tech, which is cool. Um, the, I think the, 
interesting, other interesting thing to me is Kathleen Kennedy calling out a couple of things that we've talked about on the podcast before and we all felt, you know, kind of like along the way. And it's one, um, the, the disjointed storytelling between The Force Awakens and then uh, Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi and then J.J.'s conclusion of the series um, in uh, Rise of Skywalker. Like, sh I think she feels the same way. It feels like a lot of us feel at this point, at least, um, that, like, that was just a really disjointed way to tell that story and probably wasn't the best way. Uh, it was probably too fast trying to pop them out that quick. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about that before, about how, like, they had to be, they were trying to write and overlap productions to get those things done and out, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, over t on top of each other, um, not even knowing necessarily where the other person was going to take it, yeah. um, along the way. And so it was kind of like, okay, cool. I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we learned from that, you know, and like, I, it right. kind of, she, she mentioned something about like, um, you have to basically, you have to fail sometimes, you know, to make, to make your own mistakes and to figure things out. I mm -hmm. think, you know, the, the feeling I get, I'm like, I agree with that. Like this, that's just kind of the way things work. A yeah. lot of times, I think it's a bummer that it happened with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, so the quote is, uh, so she's talking about, in the article, they talk about Solo, a, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I was going to um, get to that. I was going get to get to that next. And she says, quote, there should be moments along the way where you learn things. Uh, yeah. Now it doesn't seem so abundantly clear that we can do that, meaning like uh, swap actor for actor, which I don't necessarily agree with that idea. But yes, I agree with this whole like she's yeah. like, yeah, we learned a lot well, of stuff, well, you know, with this because she even referenced earlier. She says like, hey, the cadence was too fast, like one per yes. year was too fast. And right. it's like, you know, because I think about it and we we've compared it to Marvel before where it's like Marvel can get away with coming out with like two Marvel movies, three Marvel movies a year um, yeah. because they all have different, different directors. They're not like telling a singular story and it's, and it just kind of works that way. But star Wars is not really that way because you kind of need a overall view of the whole story because like every, everything kind of can affect this other thing or it, once you like tell one type of, of uh, you know, I guess like the science of it, quote unquote, where like, oh, well, we have like this thing that you can do in this one, but it doesn't work in this other one. So like you have to be able to have someone that looks at all of those things and says, yes, this all works together as a singular whole. Whereas right. with like Marvel, it's like, okay, that's just basically you can chalk it up to magic. You can chalk right. it up to, to, you know, superpowers. You can chalk it up to gamma radiation, whatever. Well, um, and like the, and Marvel, like, you know, the, I think the big difference with something like Star Wars too, is that, um, there was an, there's an already like already developed timeline that, you know, two of the five movies were playing in. Sure. And, you know, like, you know, for something like Solo, like, you know, I think even at the time, my biggest criticism of solo has always been this is just like stuff I don't really even need to see like it's yeah. just like we know we know what happened but there was no reason that I needed to see the castle run or needed to see mm -hmm. like tell I'm almost I was almost like more of and still I am like tell us a new Han Solo story not sure. like these other things that just kind of flesh out it's, it's it's so in the weeds so like inside baseball so like just straight up for the the fans that yeah. it almost felt like you know not 
in depth enough. I, I see where she's and, coming from with like you know she talked about like not casting, recasting a, another actor as that character, and like I I I kind of I I kind of agree with that. You know, like it's not nothing. It's not a knock against. Um, I can't even remember his name, but not not a knock. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, not a knock against Alden Emmerich, but like no one's Harrison Ford, you know. Besides Harrison sure. Ford, that's 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 just the truth of it, you know. And and he's a fine actor on his own, but like it's just hard to recapture the magic of Harrison Ford and f- make you feel like that character is exactly the same, you know. Yeah, and I guess like my thing is like okay, so they've recast Obi Wan Kenobi in the past, you know, like that's it was a George Lucas thing. Yes. Um and so like Agre- just recasting at its core is not like a problem, but recasting specifically for some characters, unless like the planets align and you have yeah. like a, a person who is just Han Solo who or who is just Harrison Ford, you know? Right. Um, well, I think, I think the difference is Alec Guinness was in, you know, I don't know what his screen time was, but <laughs> half of a movie. Yeah. Not even probably with like the, the amount of screen time he actually had. Well, and then um, also he he doesn't have much dialogue either. Cause he's like, like sneaking around the death star, you know? Yes. And so, like, you can, and he, and he's a completely different age. Like, the problem I think with like young Han Solo is young Han Solo should still look pretty close to Han Solo in, uh, in A New Hope. You know, like at least, you know, it's not even like it's not even the looks of it necessarily, but like act and like you, you we have way more of his like charisma. Like when I read books about Han Solo, yeah. like I hear Harrison Ford's voice in my head. You know, like. I feel like uh, Alec Guinness and Ian McGregor were they were close enough that it's like I can see this, you know, like they honestly like look similar, they sound super similar. Um, it's just hard whenever like if it was a, it's hard when it's a visual medium, you know, to yeah. like swap yeah. people out like that. Yeah, and I guess like you know that's the other thing that I I love about Star Wars is like there's so many other mediums um, that stories are told in like yeah. comics are are perfect yeah. for ha- Star Wars. Tell us that story in a comic or something if they really want to, you know. Yeah, like, I mean like there's there's and or books like I mean just literally like I've read mm-hmm. so many so many Star Wars books and Star Wars comics at this point, um, especially since since the Disney acquisition, you know, and it's like because yeah. it's all canon now, and it's like okay, I know what. I know what works here. And, and then, you know, those things are all super cool. Sometimes they're fan servicey. Sometimes they're completely not fan servicey at all. And so like, right. and those things are, are super appealing to me. So for me, I feel like, yeah, like unless, like I said, unless the planets sometimes somehow align to where someone walks out, you know, onto a audition someday. And it basically is Harrison Ford. Like let's, you know, let's leave that one off the screen for a minute um, and tell those stories elsewhere. Um, It's fascinating to me about like some of the movie stuff, like the transition from movie to TV and then getting back into kind of some of those projects that are still in the works, like the Taika Waititi movie um, uh, directed movie. Um, And then the Patty Jenkins. Yeah. The Patty Jenkins movie. And then you have also like, she mentions the uh, the Ryan Johnson trilogy is is still out there, but like he's like tied up with these other things, and and we talked about that at the time whenever yeah, it happened. Yeah, wherever, I still think that's never happening. Yeah, that's the thing is like, oh, hey, do you ever get around to it? Like at that point, like if it's if it's on somebody else's timetable, um, which is like the fascinating thing with whenever early in the article, whenever Kathleen Kennedy was saying that, hey, 
I need people that are, are going to be here and be committed for a, a, a duration of time. Yeah. Um, and she's like, we can't have people coming in for one movie and then just leave. And then, then, you know, uh, you know, a new person has to fill their shoes and then they leave. And then, you know, it's like, it it just kind of like gives us this picture of what happened with, um, episodes, you know, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. That like, okay. Yeah. She gets it. You know, that's, I can, I can imagine that those, those would be kind of frustrating situations to be in where you're like, Oh man, we're like, this is, this is yeah. not like the, the direction that we're, I know, you know I wanted to go in here. <laughs> and again, like I still think, you know, it's still, again, I still feel like the sentiment is like, it just sucks that it happened with star Wars. Correct. Uh, correct. It, just because like how much cooler could it have been or, or like more cohesive, less turmoil could it have been if they had slowed down, if they sure. hadn't, if they had like figured out the whole trilogy before they they started shooting, if they mm. had you know uh, done a lot of things, I think she now wishes she had done. Sure. Um, especially you know considering the fact that like it, we are kind of stuck with like it's not uh, we're we're stuck with them basically, <laughs> and and I and I'm okay with it on from the perspective of because like we can't go back and and shoot another movie with Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't. Like, they're still alive, but like I, I, you know, Hans, uh, Harrison Ford probably wouldn't come back and do another one. He's um, one indie, you know. That's the film he exactly. wants to come back and do. And uh, I still have a gut feeling that he wants to do indie, so he can kill off indie as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm so down with th- it, dude. I'm totally down with it. That's there fine. was a quote at one point, you know, that that, that was like something like uh, it was after Carrie Fisher had died, you know, and it was like. Um, I think it was JJ, you know, talked about like, I wish we could have all got, gotten them all together, you know, in a scene together or right. something like that. You know? I mean, it's basically, and, yeah, he, he had the chance to do it with force awakens and he regretted that he didn't. Yeah. And so like, there's just a lot of that kind of stuff that I'm like, man, that just kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that like I kept coming back to with like in the article and I guess this probably just because they they kept coming back to it was the phrase like a persistent storytelling where it's like, Hey, these stories, like they are, they're ongoing, they continue, they move and they, they breathe. And that's the way that like these TV initiatives have allowed us to move in this creative space. And you know, I'm I'm kind of okay with that for Star Wars. Like George always talked about how he wanted it to be like a you know wanted to do a live action TV show and like um, they referenced in the article that he like you know tried to do it but it was just too expensive at the time. Um, and so like you know I I like that they've kind of pivoted to this. Um, and I, but I do really want to see those big large scale movie event. Yeah things happen at some point. Um, you know, it's like, I I don't want star Wars to just be about like mini series and things. I would like them to have like the two and a half hour or two hour runtime and, and, you know, have an Epic story self-contained within, you know, a singular movie. Um, and referencing the persistent storytelling, she even talks about, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm less, I'm more resistant to saying anything like a trilogy now because, you know, I want this to be persistent. I want them to continue. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's a part of me that's like, I'm, I'm glad that like, if they were just going to continue down the road of like, you know, <laughs> almost just like royally screwing up every single movie. 
mm-hmm. um, then I'm like, okay, cool, yes, glad, yeah. glad you put a stop to it, like, glad you press pause. But I agree with you, like, um, you know, there. While while Star Wars definitely works in the TV format, and I enjoy it a lot, like, yeah, I wouldn't, still... re- I wouldn't replace that at all. Like, I, I yes. want that to continue too. <laughs> yes, like I, I still think that there is a huge desire for big on the on the movie screen huge stories that are like you know uh way more um expansive and immersive than like the tv shows can be yeah yeah and the new trilogy you know the new trilogy of movies like i there are lots of things about them that i absolutely love you know yeah there are lots of things about them that are uh that just feel i think overall it seems the 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 takeaway is like they were just a little bit too quick, like too rushed. Um, well, I think too... they've learned from their mistakes, you know. And I think right. that's the biggest feeling that I've always like. It's always been, you know, a bummer. It's like, why did they not figure that? Like, why did they not figure this out beforehand? Yeah, just figure it out. And like, I, I guess we're, we're there, which I'm glad. Yeah, you know? we're there. And uh, you know, and they were successful. Like it was, it's a, those are successful movies. It's just, it's like fi- financially anyway. It's just like, yeah. it's just from a story standpoint, you're left left a little bit, a little bit wanting. Um, yeah. It is funny, like to think about whenever Disney picked up Lucasfilm, whenever they purchased Lucasfilm. Um, I'm sure that they wanted to recoup their investment as quickly as possible. And so they put them on the Marvel track where they're like, okay, we'll start you with one movie a year thinking that they would ramp up from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, that's probably so, what I would have done. Just like knowing yeah. what, I mean, we talked about it. We're like, Hey, yeah. you know, like star Wars should be putting out multiple movies a year. And, and right. uh, you know, some of it still like, you know, it makes me wonder like what has kept them from doing that a little bit. Well, you know, we, I think, some of it's like you don't have this Kevin Feige type character who was really like the steward of it, uh, and 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 you had you know I think a a, a studio system that was uh, gun shy of having mm. uh, un, like what they would probably consider underperforming movies. They even referenced it in this that you know like uh, Solo underperformed. It still made money, yeah. Yeah. like and, and and like and I know like money does not equal quality. That's not what I'm arguing and and I would never, you know, like necessarily say that, but right. um it, you know like they were scared of ha- of doing smaller movies that right. didn't like um like ROI like you know times 10, you right. know, like Right. Big bets, big returns, you know. Yes, um, and so like, and and so, and I still stand by a little some of that, you know. Like, I still think that like, had they been a little more like trusting of their creatives, but like still had a bigger, been able to look at. If you're doing a trilogy, you have to like figure out what this trilogy is. The same problem with with Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like let's okay, we have a, have a great movie, and then let's start shooting two and three without scripts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like you awesome. didn't know where this was going before. Great. Like we're just literally shooting scenes to shoot scenes. Like that's insane. You know, <laughs> it's, it's almost the same exact yeah. issue. It, yeah. And I guess like for me, it's, it's, there's a big difference between like Marvel fan base and the star Wars fan base, as well as the source material. Same, so, yeah. so the fan base for star Wars is used to, Hey, here's like whenever, whenever George Lucas says through. it, yeah. This is what it is. It's yeah. law, right? Marvel yep. fan base is like, which version of Loki do we want to have? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
And, and so like, and they're totally okay with whatever version anybody decides to put out. Whereas with star Wars, the fan base, you know, is, is more like, well, that doesn't quite seem like what something that, yeah. you know, that that character I, I, would do. <laughs> I, and I think like we're at that point with Marvel now, I think early on they weren't necessarily like that. Yeah. And that's a criticism I've been reading and seeing a lot more of, of Marvel. Uh, and I kind of feel it too, of like, you know, in phase and everything pre, you know, infinity war and in game, for the most part, felt pretty grounded, you know, outside of like Guardians and, but like, you know, Iron Man, you're like, okay. Um, and that was the beginnings of it. And, and now we're into like multiple universes and all this kind of stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, it has turned a lot more comic booky, less grounded feeling in the, I guess, what is this, phase five or something? I don't sure. know. Sure. I mean, and the part of that is like, I, I love that. And then part of it is like, it's, it, yeah, it's a little bit, it feels a little yeah. bit more scattered, like to the wind. Yes, where you're just like exactly. And, yeah, I don't dislike it. I think I, we, you and I are probably more accepting of it as comic book fans. Correct. It's a little. It's a little more. Uh, I've found it's a little more um, alienating to people who don't like, or who aren't like into comics and don't haven't already like thought through what things like multiverses mean. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot more questions like, what is this? Why? Why? And, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and this, so, well, I guess like the thing is with Star Wars and, and Marvel, it's like you, you take the same approach with two different franchises where the source material is, is drastically different and the fan bases are also have drastic, drastically different expectations and it's like hope for the same results. And you, you know, whenever you don't get that, you're like, oh, OK, yeah. pump the brakes. So right. that's that's the phase we're in right now. You know, it's like, yeah. OK, we were we were in the pump the brakes. Now we're in the hey, let's approach this. Well, hey, in we our have own a streaming way. platform. We need to put out TV shows. That's right. You know, like, I mean, honestly, like, I still, you know, like, Disney Plus is Star Wars is saving grace. I don't know where they would be right now if if they didn't have Disney Plus to put TV shows out on. Sure, sure. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking about like you know, the Mandalorian wouldn't have been on like Disney Channel or anything. Like, it's it yeah. literally can almost only exist especially with that whole the first season like fluctuated in run times and and it, it just it was the perfect place for it to exist um yeah. all that being said like uh i am excited for what they have moving forward i'm most excited right now about the imminent where it's like, hey, this Obi-Wan Kenobi series, like that's where my head is at, where it's like, okay, this was my favorite director from episode or, you know, three and then six, I believe, from season one of Mandalorian. And then it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like that's that's where I'm, I'm most excited. The one that I'm next most excited about is The Acolyte, which is like the new or the the old republic or new republic uh 100 years in the past uh which i know you series i know you've read some of those i haven't i am unbelievably not excited for that yeah like, yeah i like, uh i will be interested to see how that one plays out because it's because it's in this other time frame and it's like unattached to what yeah. a lot of people and that, that the way that they talk about it is like this is before anything you know and i'm like Okay, if it's before everything we know, what is it? What's going to get people excited about this? Like, right. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm kind of this, like I'm the same but, way with like you know they're they're, they're developing that new um, Game of Thrones spinoff show that's like set before the and I'm like I don't care you know like, you're I, like these aren't the characters. I, yeah, I mean I, I and I and I I say that knowing that like 
I do like though, like Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion, and understand all the context around it. And I do, I do with uh, Star Star Wars too. But it's more like all of that was is really adjacent to the the events of the main story that I love. Yeah. And it's whenever you're like, we're going to go a hundred years in the past, and like it's not going to relate to this at all. I'm like, I kind of like I want to know where the like I want to see some of the Sith like how they got to power or like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think that's where we're at with it. Um, because the, 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 the creator references like, you know, the fact that like, okay, how did we get to the point where a Sith can infiltrate the Senate and become the chancellor and stuff like this? Like without yeah, the Jedi, oh, they knowing. better jump forward in time real quick then. You exactly. Know, like, that's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ha- like in reading some of the comic books, like with, with uh, Darth Vader, like the Darth Vader comics books recently, it's like there's a lot of cool stuff there and a lot of cool yeah, stuff I'd in the past. Like we can oh, we can do but a it, Darth Vader TV show real well. Right. But we're like – but in the comics, it's always related to like – to me through a character that I care about. Like, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where I, I feel like the, they're doing a little bit of a disservice to that particular show as well as like, they did a disservice to those particular, like that particular series of books because they're like, it's unrelated to any of the things, you know, and care about. And it's like, well, this is not a way to get people on board. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, as somebody who like just was like, "Hey, it's a Star Wars book. I want to read something." And I started reading. And I was like, "This is real good." Um, so I don't know. It's it, yeah. Other than the locations, there's there, you know, there's still Coruscant. There's still the uh, the uh, Jedi Temple. Like that's still a thing that exists uh, in in that time period. But aside from those locations, I guess Yoda is still alive at that point because he's he's eight hundred years old, nine hundred years old. So. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm, I, those are the two that I'm most excited about. Which ones are you most excited about the upcoming, like any of it, the movies, the TV, what, what are you most excited about? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, obviously, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, and, uh, I think Rogue Squadron are the other, as the other ah, one. Ah, nice. Like, I, again, it's like, it's all things that kind of like relate to the timelines that I know. And that's what I really want to, it's like timeline adjacent stuff you know Mm -hmm. it's not it's not solo things where uh you know we're learning how he got his dice that hang for like i don't need that this is but this is like legit you know hopefully like uh stuff that helps flesh out the characters that i that i love and 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 i'm attached to and even like mandalorian i love i love mandalorian Mm -hmm. um i don't love bubble fett as much you know the that show but yeah. The uh, yeah, and I guess like so, you know, there was the Rogue One um, Star Wars story or whatever. Rogue One um, kind of did did the similar thing where it's like, okay, this is like telling a new story adjacent to what you know, rather than um, like answering questions that no one really wanted to know the answers to. Yeah. All right, John. Well, uh, it's been a good good uh, discussion. Um, I'm not sure what we'll talk about next week, but uh, we'll be here. You can find us online at sametargetpodcast.com on social at chriswright250. And John Wright 777 When does Obi-Wan Kenobi come out, Chris? May 27th or something like that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we will not be talking about that next week. It would probably be the week nope. after that. Yep. Nope. Uh, you can find us. We'll just do this again. You can find us online at sametargetpodcast.com on social at chriswright250. And John Wright 777 And at Stand Target Pod. Yeah, that's what I was supposed to say. 
Please go to your podcast service of choice, review us, tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.